Alexa, what time is it? The time is 6.50 p.m. Yes, and here we are. Welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sansbury. So here we are. First time, mate. Yes. <laughs> Success. <laughs> Success. I've actually... Yeah. We, we, we've made it. We've made it. <laughs> Do you think it was the round number? I, I, my, my policy of putting them on 27 unnerves you? I, I don't know. I don't think it's beyond my ability to kind of deal with that. Um, but maybe, maybe at some kind of subconscious level, it is. We've got... Um, We've got four people following us live in the room, and Kimberly has already joined us. Hi, Kimberly. Oh, um, so today, we wait with bated breath to hear from the Prime Minister. Yeah, tell us about lockdown. Tell us, uh, tell us the way out. Tell us the way out. Ah, oh, you tell us about the way out. You've confused everybody now. And we've got a new slogan, haven't we? Um, apparently so, which... Um, See, I I think fundamentally, all the way along, the the issue of where to go next was always going to be a struggle between simple message is easy to understand, you know, simple kind of three-part message, you know, get Brexit done, you know, stay homes, you know, save lives, save the NHS. Um, all of those things are really, really easy to, easy to absorb. Um, however, blanket instructions or restrictions are, by their very nature can be vague and um, don't account for the variances of where some things will unfairly apply to people that, that you know, they can kind of get round with. But if you're moving then to a situation where you have a more nuanced message, it isn't oh. as easy to communicate, is much more open to misinterpretation or to, um, you know, to whether that's deliberate or not. So I, I, I don't know. I think they were they were always gonna they're always gonna have that have that kind of struggle. I liked what the Scottish government did, if I'm honest. I don't think I can applaud that. <laughs> is that is that just um, a personal um, lack of faith in the Scottish Parliament or um, or, or something else? Is it content? Um, uh, yes. Yes, no, it's fundamentally that. Well, I think that the, the interesting piece is, before we touch on the Scottish problem, is that, and it's interesting because I, I have been having a, a day-long ruck mm. with a minor celebrity over exactly this issue. So they posted, uh, I've never been confident that the government is handling this well. It seems we're moving away from the core message. And they posted the little meme that said, Stay at home, save lives, protect the NHS. And then they posted another meme that said, get back to work, catch the virus, protect the billionaires. To which my what I thought was quite a measured was, response was brilliant. Well, that's going to help bring us together. And do not think you've jumped the gun a bit. Mm. And I didn't expect anything back because usually with the official verified pages, you, you, you don't get a response. Well, then Billy Bragg, verified page, came back and had a little chirp. And then when realised that the new slogan was stay alert, something the virus, control the virus. And what's the last bit? 
Oh, uh, oh God! Hang on, hang on. Oh, no, hang on. I eat, eat, eat more fruit. Whatever. So we, we see that we've just proved our point. <laughs> no, no. And the, the conversation is that you know he, he then said, well, you know, this is so confusing, and and I pointed out, stay home. So what does that mean? Stay home. Unless you're going out for your hour's walk or you're going to pick up essential supplies or you have to attend a job whereby you cannot work from home. So even though stay home sounds like a very binary black and white on off thing, then it's not. It's a it's it, it has caveats and sub doodadders. And I think you, you touched on it there. None of us believe that we're going to go lockdown, 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 everybody back to normal. So for me, if there's not a binary change, then we've got to be able to have a more nuanced discussion. You know, and again, some of it was, well, stay alert, what does that mean? And then people started to, or the government spokesmen started to say what it meant. And I think if we're going to have to go through a number of phases, we've got to have more discussion than it just being a shouty soundbite. Um, I, d- I, ooh, oh, I, I d- no, that's just Sky News so. warning me that um, by the app that you know I haven't got like a hotline into Sky News, of course. Um, other news sources are available. Um, that um, he's not there yet. Don't worry, I'm, I've got it? I've got Streamlife. So I, I think you're right. Um, there needs to be space for sensible discussion and sensible conversation and. Um, I haven't. To, if I'm honest, I haven't got really that much patience for the point scoring. Um, but it, I, I do find it. You know that. I, interestingly, as something Andrew Marr said this morning was was when he was when he was talking um, to a representative um, from the government, and I forget which one it was. Was um, none of the bigwigs, to be honest with you. Um, was that how did how was it really that six news six tabloid newspapers? managed to come up with very similar stories to put out on the, on the same day. It kind of lends to the concept that they were briefed in some way or someone leaked whether intent, you know, intentionally yeah. leaked something to kind of brief them that way. And part of that is, is that, uh, it, you know, cause sometimes that's done to float as they say in these horrible speak that you probably hear from the thick of it. it you know, it's, that's a kind of like a, you're, you're running up a test balloon to kind of see what the reaction is. But the danger with, saying there's a light at the end of the tunnel and then to see what the reaction is to pe- to saying or suggesting that there's a light at the end of the tunnel and then turning the light off um yeah. the danger I, is I, that that might actually collapse the integrity of everything that you've been doing for the last seven weeks uh, yeah and it, it was an interesting one because i heard exactly that this morning and i looked at it and thought well almost every newspaper has turned against the government in the last three or four weeks you've even got you know the tory graph piling in and saying this is bad and that's bad and the other's bad and they're not doing that very well and so i i kind of struggle a little bit with the you know even the evil dare not speak his name dominic cummings being able to so go to six major newspapers and say print this in this way this is the story i want you to run and them tugging their forelock and saying, certainly, sir, we'll get right onto that. I just don't buy it. So I guess there might have been, could have been a leak. But 
I just, it seemed to me to reflect so badly on the government. You know, happy Monday, lockdown is ending. It was like anyone with a brain in their head saw that was never going to happen. So, you know, if that was the Tory press machine, I think it's the same person that wrote our our wonderful 2017 manifesto, um, which short of everybody has to stick a fork in their own head, couldn't have been any worse. And are you so you're putting that on a par with the mandatory manifesto that you um, considered was written by Jeremy Corbyn? That that is that is that is how bad a move I think that was. If they were getting, you know, doing the sun has got its hat on, Monday's going to be fantastic, then for me, pillocks because that was ne- everyone knows that was never going to be the case. Uh, yeah, it's um. It, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a strange one. I just think that to some degree, um, I um, and it's just the way my mind works. And the problem the problem for any government would be in this situation. You haven't just got to announce things that work for the way Simon's mind works. You've got to do that for everybody. So you've got to kind of find a common denominator, right? But for me, yep. the list that the Scottish government produced of. When we're at stage one, we'll do this. When we're at stage two, we'll do this. When we're at stage three, we'll do this. And and they broke down um, which kind of areas of the economy and what sorts of things would be yep. allowed to happen in which and what would be the criteria by which they would move from one stage to the other. And which, if they could, what sort of timescale they would be in. Now, yep. obviously... Which I think, mm, without wishing to prejudge, because I haven't had it leaked to me, is exactly what I think Boris is just about to do possibly um i don't know and um you know um yes we neither of us have kind of foresight of that however they were able to put that out last week oh 1900 hours keep checking well, yeah i'm in the week wasn't yeah, it? Was, it was the scottish and the welsh lad leapt yeah. up and said let me tell you about my plan before boris tells you about his plan yeah so um, uh, and and i think but I think that that was something that they could follow. What I thought actually worked quite well in the way that the UK government handled this at the beginning was that they actually said from the start, at this point, we're in this phase. We're, we're in the yep. containment stage. Um, if things continue, effectively, if things continue to get bad, then we'll move to a next stage. And beyond that is another stage. So in some ways, they were kind of highlighting where you current, where they currently were and what might happen if things progressed to the next stage. So... Just doing is that. He, is he not there yet? Sorry. To no, I, no, it's all right. I've got a. It, it might there might be a bit of a lag on my on my screen, but I am actually watching uh, watching a live feed as we as we go on. Don't worry. No worries. Um, he's not he's not come up live on that channel, so I can really completely cane my internet um, connection and see whether there's anything on another channel. But I don't think that the people. Oh, that I don't know. I'm watching it's it from would it wouldn't have cut now, through. Yeah. So just for anybody who is um listening along, we will almost certainly not interrupt the Prime Minister once he goes into full spiel. But then after that, we would love this to be an interactive session. So type yes. any questions in the comments. If you're brave enough and want to get on, then Simon is poised ready to uh, fire you the meeting password and you can come in and we can have a Cool. Jolly good kick around of it all once it's done. Here we go. Almost two months since the people of this country began to put up with restrictions on their freedom, your freedom, of a kind that we have never seen before in peace or war. And you have shown the good sense to support those rules overwhelmingly. You've put up with all the hardships of that program of social distancing because you understand that as things stand, 
And as the experience of every other country has shown, it's the only way to defeat the coronavirus, the most vicious threat this country has faced in my lifetime. And though the death toll has been tragic and the suffering immense, and though we grieve for all those we have lost, it is a fact that by adopting those measures, we prevented this country from being engulfed by what could have been a catastrophe in which the reasonable worst case scenario was half a million fatalities. And it's thanks to your effort and sacrifice in stopping the spread of this disease that the death rate is coming down and hospital admissions are coming down. And thanks to you, we've protected our NHS and saved many thousands of lives. And so I know, you know, that it would be madness now to throw away that achievement by allowing a second spike. We must stay alert. We must continue to control the virus and save lives. And yet we must also recognize that this campaign against the virus has come at colossal cost to our way of life. We can see it all around us in the shuttered shops and abandoned businesses and darkened pubs and restaurants. And there are millions of people who are both fearful of this terrible disease and at the same time also fearful of what this long period of enforced inactivity will do to their livelihoods and their mental and physical well-being, to their futures and the futures of their children. So I want to provide tonight for you the shape of a plan to address both fears, both to beat the virus and provide the first sketch of a roadmap for reopening society, a sense of the way ahead and when and how and on what basis we will take the decisions to proceed. I'll be sending out more details in Parliament tomorrow and taking questions from the public in the evening. I've consulted across the political spectrum, across all four nations of the UK. And though different parts of the country are experiencing the pandemic at different rates, and though it's right to be flexible in our response, I believe that as Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, Scotland, England, Wales, Northern Ireland, there is a strong resolve to defeat this together. And today, a general consensus on what we could do. And I stress could, because although we have a plan, it is a conditional plan. And since our priority is to protect the public and save lives, we cannot move forward unless we satisfy the five tests. We must protect our NHS. We must see sustained falls in the death rate. We must see sustained and considerable falls in the rate of infection. We must sort out our challenges in getting enough PPE to the people who need it. And yes, it's a global problem, but we must fix it. And last, we must make sure that any measures we take do not force the reproduction rate of the disease, the R, back up over one, so that we have the kind of exponential growth we were facing a few weeks ago. And to chart our progress and to avoid going back to square one, we're establishing a new COVID alert system run 
by a new joint biosecurity centre. And that COVID alert level will be determined primarily by R and the number of coronavirus cases. And in turn, that COVID alert level will tell us how tough we have to be in our social distancing measures. The lower the level, the fewer the measures, the higher the level, the tougher and stricter we will have to be. There will be five alert levels. Level one means the disease is no longer present in the UK. And level five is the most critical, the kind of situation we could have had if the NHS had been overwhelmed. Over the period of the lockdown, we've been in level four, and it's thanks to your sacrifice, we're now in a position to begin to move in steps to level three. And as we go, everyone will have a role to play in keeping the R down by staying alert and following the rules. And to keep pushing the number of infections down, there are two more things we must do. We must reverse rapidly the awful epidemics in care homes and in the NHS. And though the numbers are coming down sharply now, there is plainly much more to be done. And if we're to control this virus, then we must have a world-beating system for testing potential victims and for tracing their contacts. So that, all told, we are testing literally hundreds of thousands of people every day. We've made fast progress on testing, but there is so much more to do now, and we can. When this began, we hadn't seen this disease before, and we didn't fully understand its effects. With every day, we're getting more and more data. We're shining the light of science on this invisible killer, and we will pick it up where it strikes, because our new system will be able in time to detect local flare-ups in your area, as well as giving us a national picture. And yet, when I look at where we are tonight, we have the R below 1, between 0.5 and 0.9, but potentially only just below 1. And though we have made progress in satisfying at least some of the conditions I have given we have by no means fulfilled all of them. And so, no, this is not the time simply to end the lockdown this week. Instead, we're taking the first careful steps to modify our measures. And the first step is a change of emphasis that we hope that people will act on this week. We said that you should work from home if you can and only go to work if you must. We now need to stress that anyone who can't work from home, for instance, those in construction or manufacturing, should be actively encouraged to go to work. And we want it to be safe for you to get to work. So you should avoid public transport, if at all possible, because we must and will maintain social distancing and capacity will therefore be limited. So work from home if you can, but you should go to work if you can't work from home. And to ensure you're safe at work, we've been working to establish new guidance for employers to make workplaces COVID secure. And when you do go to work, if possible, do so by car, or even better, by walking or bicycle. 
but just as with workplaces, public transport operators will also be following COVID secure standards. And from this Wednesday, we want to encourage people to take more and even unlimited amounts of outdoor exercise. You can sit in the sun in your local park, you can drive to other destinations, you can even play sports, but only with members of your own household. You must obey the rules on social distancing and to enforce those rules, we will increase the fines for the small minority who break them. And so every day, with ever increasing data, we will be monitoring the R and the number of new infections and the progress we are making. And if we as a nation begin to fulfill the conditions I have set out, then in the next few weeks and months, we may be able to go further. In step two, at the earliest by June the 1st, after half term, we believe we may be in a position to begin the phased reopening of shops and to get primary pupils back into schools in stages beginning with reception, year one and year six. Our ambition is that secondary pupils facing exams next year will get at least some time with their teachers before the holidays and we'll shortly be setting out detailed guidance on how to make it work in schools and shops and on transport. And step three, at the earliest by July and subject to all these conditions and further scientific advice, if and only if the numbers support it, we will hope to reopen at least some of the hospitality industry and other public places, provided they're safe and enforce social distancing. Throughout this period of the next two months, we will be driven not by mere hope or economic necessity. We're going to be driven by the science, the data, and public health. And I must stress again that all of this is conditional. It all depends on a series of big ifs. It depends on all of us, the entire country, to follow the advice, to observe social distancing, and to keep that R down. And to prevent reinfection from abroad, I'm serving notice that it will soon be the time, with transmission significantly lower, to impose quarantine on people coming into this country by air. And it's because of your efforts to get the R down and the number of infections down here that this measure will now be effective. And of course, we will be monitoring our progress locally, regionally, and nationally. And if there are outbreaks, if there are problems, we will not hesitate to put on the brakes. We've been through the initial peak, but it's coming down the mountain that is often more dangerous. We have a route and we have a plan. And everyone in government has the all-consuming pressure and challenge to save lives, restore livelihoods, and gradually restore the freedoms that we need. But in the end, this is a plan that everyone must make work. And when I look at what you've done already, the patience and common sense you've shown, the fortitude of the elderly, whose isolation we all want to end as fast as we can, the incredible bravery and hard work of our NHS staff, our care workers, the devotion and self-sacrifice of all those in every walk of life 
who are helping us to beat this disease. Police, bus drivers, train drivers, pharmacists, supermarket workers, road hauliers, bin collectors, cleaners, security guards, postal workers, our teachers, and a thousand more. The scientists who are working round the clock to find a vaccine. When I think of the millions of everyday acts of kindness and thoughtfulness that are being performed across this country and that have helped to get us through this first phase, I know that we can use this plan to get us through the next. And if we can't do it by those dates, and if the alert level won't allow it, we will simply wait and go on until we've got it right. We will come back from this devilish illness. We will come back to health and robust health. And though the UK will be changed by this experience, I believe we can be stronger and better than ever before, more resilient, more innovative, more economically dynamic, but also more generous and more sharing. But for now, we must stay alert, control the virus, and save lives. Thank you very much. So, Ian, what are your thoughts? Well, I've suggested we start with some you know, creative three-word summaries. <laughs> so, <laughs> what? What, like the ones that, that Boris has just said? So, um, so, in short, what the Prime Minister has just said is that we'll have a... That's rated three words already. A, yeah, I, I know. I'm, First I'm, impressions. I'm, I'm ignoring what you said. <laughs> First impressions. Um, it was um, it was cohesive. Um, it had the right amount of detail um, for what you can have in a basically a fifteen minute um, briefing to the nation, um, and. Um, there was some kind of level of detail, um, but I, I know I'm completely ignoring your your attempt that we actually go on kind of three minute summaries. But I, sorry, three word summaries. But I just think, yeah, there's some there's some clear stuff in there. There is some stuff that needs further um, further explanation and further thought. However, the clearest thing is. We've got a way of demonstrating where we are and where we're like, where in which direction of travel we're we're moving, um, and how we will be um, as a country uh, moving from one stage to the other. That that kind of makes sense. To be fair, that's um, that's that's quite rational or logical. Um, it is. Um, there's a couple of minor points that I'd, I'd I'd pick up on, but I'll let you kind of come back with your summaries first. My three-word summary? Yeah, go for it. F-F-S. Well, that's not three words. That's three letters. You're, you're, that's, yeah, that's a real economy of language. <laughs> the go first on. word is for, yeah. and the last word is sake. <laughs> I, I just... I sat here... I managed to listen to it, despite your cunning approach of muting us both, which meant I couldn't hear the feed. Actually, oh. It's a bit of frantic... Um, technology based tomfoolery but um I, i'm i'll be honest the the five level thing i'll be interested to see that in writing but in terms of things for me which the keyboards are going to light up on the go back to work uh will keep you safe if possible don't take public transport if possible. 
if I'm thinking of somebody, and bear in mind, I've spent six weeks with angry folk with pitchforks and torches coming after the government for everything they've done. Well, what happens if it's not possible to get to work except by public transport? Um, yes, that's the, um, but to be so, honest, we so that irked me. Yeah. Then the second thing that irked me was, you know, some of it was very sensible, the social distancing, the limited this, we're going to gently unlock that. And then uh, the education piece, we're going to start with reception year one and year six. Someone explain to me how you're going to get a group of four-year-olds or five-year-olds to observe social distancing. I'd, I'd, to be fair, I'd, I was going to circle to that. I agree with you. And in fact, and it's also something that, that, that Kimberly um, was saying that she's worried about that suggestion um, with her five-year-old being the oldest in the class. Um, and knowing how worried the teachers are, how how do you get a group of um, a group of very young children that are actually quite used to going around licking things um, yep. to well, to obey social dis exciting noise. social distancing? Trying to get in. Um, uh, no, that's um, that's just some messages um, on no WhatsApp. It is it is not yet someone someone trying to join us. We've we've since been joined. Um, uh, by uh, Teresa and Phil and Susie. So um, some of the other comments. So Teresa liked your summation, um, although I'm. She would too. <laughs> and yeah, I think Phil was repeating the point about how how do you make kind of social distancing work for for children. Your point about um, um, you should you should work from home if you can work from home, but you shouldn't go to work if you um, if you can't. You, sorry, you should. You, you, if it's not essential, you should still go to work. Is what the what the previous advice is. This advice is saying, if it's safe for you to go to work and you can't work from home, you should go to work. So to be fair, until the government actually recently put out a list, an extensive list of what they considered essential work, a lot yeah. of industries were still doing that anyway. Um, so in, in that kind of respect, I, th I for me it was interesting that. What um, the what the prime minister said was that um, that engagement with industry and what um, and with the other nations in the country. Um, the interesting point is it isn't just about making the workplace itself safe, which is a, an important consideration. Yep. It's about actually getting to work safe. And um, and I guess this this is possibly the point you were, you were alluding to before, Ian, was that. Um, Capacity on public transport is going to be ten percent of what it what it normally is. How quickly does it become a situation where actually you can't get to work safely? Well, and, and here it is, and I, I look at it through this selfish lens. So I, I can work from home, but it, I, I didn't regularly. Um, so I had to. So let's let's pretend I'm going to do manufacturing at our head office rather than talking and doing stuff. So I've got to get from here to the station, so that's fine. I've then got to get from the station to Reading. Okay, that's fine. I've then got to get from Reading to my place of work. Well, that's 
got to be by taxi. So that's not socially distant. And then when I'm there, it's an old Victorian building with lots of little rooms in it. it you're going to get one person, you know, ultimately it's as you might expect. There's four or five desks in a little room where you're going to have one person in there. So I, I, I just, I'm just a little bit confused by that message and what that means in terms of practicality. I, I, this is a strange reversal of fortune. It is, yeah. So, but, but what could they say otherwise? What's the alternative? The alternative is stay as stay, we are. Stay, stay as we are. So, um, if what, uh, and again, uh, the Prime Minister was at pains to repeat that um, only if it's safe, only if social distancing can be um, can be maintained, and only if the numbers, uh, the data. Um, so basically, if the R if the R naught number is um, is significantly yep. low, um, so that we're not going above one, um, can can you do those things? And I guess the the problem is is that it's very very hard to come up with a central plan that works in all cases. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and yeah, in all yeah, industries yeah. and in all working environments. So even take food retail for example. The amount of space to be able to um, implement social distancing at the local Sainsbury's supermarket is different to what it is in the McColl's corner shop just down the road from us. So, um, and that's just you know sheer size. When you look at mm. um, you know when you when you look at um, pubs, for example, you know large larger pubs like Weatherspoons, Boo, um, have space to be able to implement things like that. But independent, you know, true local pubs aren't going to um, aren't aren't going to be a case. But fundamentally, what the PM saying is, look, if the numbers don't give us the ability to actually move from our current situation, we won't. No, and that that bit I liked. So so the, 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 the so my, my issue is the if you work in manufacturing, go back and do it. Okay, there were the stay safe caveats and everything else, but. You know, there is an element of, well, who's the decision maker there? And that's that. That's where. And look, all of these things need to be worked through. So there is an element of, of you know, and again, I can't believe we're we're going down this route. We've we've flipped. If I am the employee who says, well, I I can't get there safely because I'm limited to public transport, and I I'm not prepared to get on the number seventy three bus, to to go down into central Portsmouth. At eight o'clock in the morning with everybody else i can't do that safely so i won't be in at work governor well what happens then and i know that's very specific mm -hmm. but th those are going to be the conversations that are played out they, they you're absolutely right they they are um and i so, think that's so it's that you, that's going to be really of, difficult am i okay just to sit at home with my arms folded or is my boss entitled to say well i'm sorry ian but, you know, Boris has said, we need to get back to work. We need you back at work. Either you find a way to get your ass here or there's lots of people lost their jobs, mate, and we'll find somebody to do yours. Uh, yeah, so it's it's going to be, I don't think interesting even does it justice, doesn't it? It's going to be um, a dynamic and a relationship that's fraught with um, 
rather emotive negotiations between employer and employee or indeed between yeah. employer and union um, well, because you're right I mean even if you take this example um, if you if you take this situation aside for one minute um, if you work for an employer that pri- um, prides itself on health and safety and yep. in the event of severe snowstorm says to people um if you can't get to work safely, um, you know, we don't want you to take an unsafe journey. But then when the employee rings in and says, I can't get to work because I can't, you know, I, I live in a place where, it, you know, I've got to drive down a hill. It's really unsafe that that part, you know, it's not a main part of the city. So the roads are unsafe for me to drive to work that, you know, the employer's response um, is the employer's response at that point. Um, OK, um, keep safe, stay home. Um, let us know how you get on or is the employer's response um, well you should you should try by public transport I mean if you can't drive down the road then you can't you know it's it's not necessarily really any safer I should imagine to walk down it Um, and and I think you're right I think there are going to be conversations like that played out across the up and down the country and across different workplaces and across different industries um, but it does fundamentally come down to there are so many variables at play, like like we started at the beginning saying you can't it you can't have a blanket policy that is also nuanced. <laughs> no, absolutely, and, and and again, look, you know, I, I, I again because we like to think about these things, you know, things like social distancing. If I am a a I believe they call them onboard supervisor now, or I am a train guard. How can I possibly be a train guard and maintain social distancing? Well, you can. You just don't bother checking tickets, right? Can you? Well, you can can be on the train for the purposes of making sure that the train um, is safe to leave. Um, But from a point of... I can do the hopping out of the... I can do the hopping out, looking down the platform, hopping back in again. Hmm. But but you can't do but the I bit can't where do you do anything else. No, you no, you're absolutely right. So the the train company would have to um, give up on basically checking tickets effectively in that situation, wouldn't yes. you? Yes. Um, you would you well, wouldn't be able to do it. But what about um, what about disabled passengers that need assistance getting off on, well, on the train? It's, it's even more when you start playing these games in your own mind. Okay. Mm. So let's protect. You can see. So you've got an advantage mm-hmm. to me. Okay. So you get onto the train. Mm-hmm. Okay, you turn left, you sit in the, so if you play this game, there is no way with the layout of a train, you either sit in the first seat, which means anybody who's coming off the train before you do has to walk past you and break the social distancing barrier, or you walk down far enough so that you are sat in the middle, but when it's your chance to get, well, your time to get off of the train, Mm -hmm. If you're going to observe social distancing, everybody now who is between you and the door has to get off, get socially distant, let you walk down the middle aisle, jump off the train, and then get back on the train in an orderly, socially distancing way to sit back in their seats two metres apart. Um, Yeah, it's... um it, it, it's hard to to find ways that you can cut you can make that work and in all of the situation in any situation and environment you're doing everything you can to reduce the chances of the yeah. the, the, the spread of the infection um 
and yeah, it it's it's going to be really hard. And the only people that can really make those decisions are going to be the people in those industries because they'll know what is and isn't um, possible. But in a lot of those situations, that's just going to make operation unviable unless there's support. Um, Phil Phil points out that a lot of, a lot of how this moves forward is going to depend on um, if the furlough scheme gets extended beyond June. Um, and, and- you know, I, I've, I've known Phil for many years and I know that he works in manufacturing, so mm-hmm. we'll be very aware of the challenges within a manufacturing environment of orchestrating people to, to be where they need to be um, and, and not getting them to, to bump into each other. So I think that's... And again, look, I know I've been very negative about this. I, and again, it's that... I, I guess the question is, you know, well, you don't like it, but what, what would you hoped for? Um, I personally had hoped for a, no change for at least the next three weeks. That was my that was my base position. I think the schools thing, whilst I get the social distancing thing, that there is, from a purely medical perspective, one of the things is that, and again, they had a statistician on this morning um, that said of the 35,000 deaths that have been from COVID-19, under 15s, two yes but it isn't obviously it isn't just their no, no, uh, fatalities so there's, there's it's, it's the effect i absolutely yeah. get that um but in terms of their their potential risk to each other by being in the space that's relatively low um Yes, but they don't only interact with people of their own age. So, no, no, as a, as a spreading I, I environment, it where, doesn't. It's... This is where we, you know, again, I'm just trying to look at it from a from a different angle, having mm. been so negative, which is that social distancing. There was no indication as to when that might be relaxed. Even the July the first limited hospitality still had the social distancing caveat. So, I guess there's an element of if that's in play for a while yet, then you're going to have to find some different ways or, you know, we're going to have to look at, whilst we're not going to say it out loud, using that train example, you can't get on a train and off a train without, whilst respecting social distancing, unless and I've thought about this now, my different part of my lizard brain is working, unless you all get on at the back Yes, and you no because you still got the situation where you're still going to have the same problem. Well, it yeah, that, I mean, there are differences. I mean, on, on a train, it's at least wide enough that if people occupy the window seats, yep, um, then you have a although it's not two meters, you then have the you know the central aisle, and again, that's the same sort of thing. You know, at the end of the day, it's the same issue that's going to happen on airplanes. Um, yep. You know, because an airplane is basically just a long tube metal tube just with oh, wings got, on instead of wheels so i got bloody bloody cross about airplanes this week <laughs> yeah so that was the that was the one to um belfast wasn't it so um it it's um it's i i think it's tricky and like any risk assessment in any yep. environment it's complicated and there has to be a point at which you have to say no actually the 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 risk of of increased chances of spread and therefore what that does to the r naught number um is too high and therefore no we're not we're not going to operate the thing for me was interesting in 
you know what what um, what the prime minister said was that the R naught number is between 0.5 and 0.9. That's considering that the maximum you want it to go to is one. Yeah. You're effectively saying the breadth of the variety in your figure is nearly 50% of that target. Well, so, I think in that regard, Simon, what they what they're doing is that the R number in different parts of the country is very different. Yes, I think Scotland. They said that their R their R naught number was actually higher than in the rest of the UK, and was actually quite yes. close to one. And therefore, they were worried about um, any measures that literally pushed them pushed them over the one. So this, yeah, and it, yeah. yeah, and and you're right. So if you look at uh, like London, London was ahead of the curve um, in terms of the the rate. So you know the belief is that that's now on the downward so that's probably closer to 0.5 but some of the further flung parts of the the uk including the northeast and scotland are probably closer to 0.9 yes it is um and it's it's not going to be because that was another conversation that played out over pompey politics wasn't it was that um what is the what is the what is the other variable there is it um is it um density of population because portsmouth is the second most densely populated city in the country outside of London. Um, yep. But yet, actually, thankfully, um, you it's know what? It's been nothing like as bad. It, it's been nothing like it as, as, um, as, it has been, um, as it has been in other parts of the country. So what, you know, what, is, the, what is the variable there that's, that's, um, that's causing those differences? And it's, and it's really hard to pin down. That's why you can't say, what's the, vari- what's the, what's the R0 number for care homes? What's the R0 number for um supermarket workers you, you just cut because people don't only exist in those bubbles so you can't yeah you can't um kind of do the track and trace on it um if now that i did think was good sorry to cut in there yeah that the very strong statement around track and trace and hundreds of thousands of people needing to be tested you know that th- that was a message that resonated with me that i thought good you know uh, there's an element of well you know, well, let's keep building that up because that is that's going to be an essential element moving forward. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. Track and trace is um, is going to be vital for us to understand what's really happening because otherwise, at the moment, the only variables we have are um, not necessarily a representative sample of positive tests and sadly the number of fatalities, um, whether they're now in a, you know, obviously, because they're now not just including the ones in, in a hospital setting. So it's, you know, testing and track and trace were always going to be key to understanding actually what was, what was happening. The, um, the concern is that what I worry about is that, as we discussed last week, if what you do is just come up with a number and say, okay, we're going to do 100,000 a day. Okay, we're going to do 200,000 a day. And what we've demonstrated in the last week is that we've not hit that, that target hasn't been hit once other than on the on the on the last day of april so it's how is that how is that because it sounds like the capacity's there so how is it then mm. that that those number of tests aren't actually carrying out how is it then that you know where's the where's the building and capacity to do the track and trace to in, to enable um informed decisions about what stages which different industries are at and therefore how they move actually through those one to five kind of gradings that the PM said. Um, one of the things that I did also notice was that, you know, the thing about um, putting people that come in from abroad by plane um, into 14 day quarantine from the end of the month. 
Yep. Um, so my question is, why, why, why don't you do that now? Um, yep. And, um, and also, why only by plane? There's plenty of people that that travel by. You know, we're in a port city. There are plenty of people that come into the country through other means. Obviously, more travel by plane. But if you're not checking the Channel Tunnel, if you're not checking um, the ferries, then it, I don't know. It, it doesn't make sense to only focus on one particular area. No, I, I absolutely agree with you, Simon. And, and you know, again, we, we've got to wait to see more detail. And it's yeah. difficult these days to get an honest answer from online. But, you know, the wording that I saw was very much about, you know, people who come in to the country should be um, self-isolating um, in a private dwelling um, for 14 days um, if they don't mind too much. And I, I'm you know again look, i'm going to get all draconian and hard-assed here the deal is this you want to come into the country by plane you're in a mandatory 14-day lockdown in one of the airport hotels it's gonna cost you this if you want to do it please apply for a visa here here and here and we'll meet you on your day of arrival and put you up in the soft hotel at heathrow and 14 days later we'll let you go um Yes, yeah, I, I guess, yeah, because if you're asking people to just, if, if they wouldn't mind, please, per, please self-isolating at home when they get home after coming into the country by plane, then how are they getting to their home? Uh, Phil, um, Phil um, points out that um, perhaps the perhaps the difference between air transport and others is obviously the recycled air within an air airplane. Yeah, you know that in and of yeah, itself just, makes social distancing I next I to use the words in my blog. I can't believe we're we're allowing big old big old cans of virus soup being uh being um cracked open at our airports it, it, it's mad yes it does it, it yeah i guess there are gonna we've got a cat coming into your picture which is oh have we yeah oh which one <laughs> i i don't know how to tell the difference between your two cats but now <laughs> Was one was one very long? Was he a long cat? Um, well, it, it seemed a long cat, but then we we got a um a cat bum shot as as the cat left the sh left the screen. That was, that was me having cat's bum face fundamentally. At so um so <laughs> there we go. Whoever uh, says it's in Sir Arthur Kitten Doyle for those of you that like a cat. Um, there was no bell, so uh, 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 Enid, Enid Blyton has a bell. Sir Arthur Kitten Doyle, if you put a cat and a bell collar with a bell on him. He then just sits there looking sad and moaning until you take the bell off his collar. <laughs> well, um, well, there we go. So um... hospitality. Now, again, you, you touched on spoons and I know you and Tim have a have an ongoing bit of a billet do kind of, you know, those sort of crowded eyes across the Pompey weather spoons. I know how it was. Um, but I'm still not sure. In, and again, it's July, so we won't worry about it there. Yeah. And you've still got that stunned look about you, even though I can't see you. Um, I, I'm still not sure if you compromise the capacity of an establishment with social distancing to such a degree that being able to run that establishment at a profit is really going to be possible, you know, even if you're one of the big spoons. Because their whole business model yes. is pack the place out and sell sell beer at 199 a pint well most of most of our economy and the driving down of consumer prices is um is born of basically pilot high selling cheap jack cohen would be so yep. proud 
Um, that's the man who founded Tesco, by the way. Um, so Stockwell it, and Cohen. Uh, yeah, it was because um, it's called Tesco because it's T E Stockwell. T E Stockwell. Yeah, and Co. Yes, so yeah. Cohen. Yeah. So anyway, Jack yeah, Cohen. 1985, I got that induction. Oh, bless. Well, I had to wait till 1988 for mine. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, while we wistfully talk about <laughs> talk about how um, retail um, giants started their existence, so yes, or if, if if most of our economy um, relies on high volume and low cost. Um, so, um, in some ways, maybe, you know, to be honest, even though places like Weatherspoons have the space and perhaps actually the financial, maybe the financial headroom to do those, um, to operate in those sorts of ways, they've got an app that you can order and so forth and so forth. So there are, you know, different ways that, you know, you can, you can stop people having to go yep. to the bar, for example. So they have those advantages, but in some ways actually opening with such a small number of customers, it. It, to, to lots of places it's probably going to be better that they remain closed because yep. at least then because of the furlough scheme assuming that continues they um if they're supporting their staff fully then they've earned, they're only paying 20 percent of their wage wage bill instead of 100 percent of their wage bill or whatever percentage it would be reduced to if they then let a load yep. of them go so in in, yep. in in kind of some ways it's actually to you know for lots of businesses it's going to be worse to actually try and open in such restricted ways, because they're just not going to get the footfall. Well, and again, you, you and I were both local Caution residents, and mm-hmm. you know, despite our lean and chiselled good looks, <laughs> neither of us mind a, a lunch in one of the local cafes. Oh, and if I, I look at my 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 three go-to, which is the Highbury Cafe at the end of the road, mm-hmm. the Whistle Stop just by the station there, and the marvellous Huntington Coffee Company, then. You know, they are all very small venues with either limited seating or no seating that, you know, if you were to socially distance, um, you know, in there, and let's face it, most those kind of places aren't where you go out for a family meal. You go and meet a friend for coffee. No, well, do you, did you mean the Hartsfordshire Coffee Company? Hertfordshire Coffee Company, you're absolutely right. They're, so, oh, des- sorry, I'm dreaming of their desserts, I have to they be honest. Brilliant. And, you know, very tiny, densely packed um, establishments, um, they are not going to be operate, able to operate viably while social distancing is still in play. So, I guess in summary, my initial very grumpy three-letter acronym... Um, Shall I downgrade it to need more detail? Well, you can if you like. It's it's um, it's your opinion. <laughs> so well, no, I'd, I'd, I'd like to be balanced, and I know you've you've been very pro Boris there, and and. Um, well, hang on a minute. <laughs> cheerleading like a you gonna, are you going to you going to get? You me still kick? haven't rebuted the uh, the 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 slight that I gave you about Tim from Weatherspoons. Well, well, firstly, um, stop saying that I'm I'm pro Boris. You're going to get me kicked out of the party. Um, and um, although to be fair, we're, we're liberals, more we're more understanding than that. So, um, so, uh, well, I I just kind of took that in the playful way. What it was, I did meet with Tim Martin along with others too. Yes, you did. Um, at the um, I forget, is it the Isn? No, the one, but the one that's next to Guildhall Square. Um, he, he came. He came down as part of his tour pre-Brexit to to demonstrate his lack of expertise. 
um, in international trade. But nonetheless, um, in this situation, I think it's fair to say some more detail would be forthcoming. Um, it's interesting to see the people that predicated their electoral success on easy sound bites are having to move away from easy sound bites and whether the message survives that um, as you expand into as you expand into nuance and, and detail um, the the key thing is that how much of that information is ready for them to distribute to local governments really effectively because the trouble is otherwise mm. local governments wait several days to get the detail in the meantime you know the public are quite reasonably saying well come on then what's what's this actually mean what does this mean yeah. and you know the local the local council for example you know in in those situations aren't any better informed than um than the rest of us so it's kind of like hang on I'll, I'll just go back to the bbc and re-watch what boris said and see if i can <laughs> glean from that any any more detail so um we're at we're at um we're at 747 yeah no and i thought i was about to say unless there are any burning questions that have come up in the feed um there's um uh, Phil was um, Phil's uh, postulated is interested to see what happens to the twelve week shielders because most of them will be coming out at the end of the year. So interesting with with those Phil is that um, for example my mum didn't get a letter until a couple of weeks ago to say that she was considered to be um, on that list um, and the twelve week shielding goes from you getting the letter. Um, so although they my parents had actually both been shielding um, from the point that the the um, the government originally announced that. Um, her deadline's already been extended by um, by part of that, so it's a it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds um, yep. uh, and what happens. I, I'm, I'm on day fifty five of eighty nine, so theoretically I've only got forty four more to go. You're counting That's down. It. It's it's not like they're you know you've got them scrawled on the wall or something, but it's um, no, it's, it's it's the it's the it's the artistic beauty of writing a blog. So, well. Simon, as always, who who could have who could have known that I I would have been grumpy as you like about Boris and his announcement, and he would have been singing his praises like a canary. Um, <laughs> Stop it! I'm not singing his praises. I'm dealing with the I'm de I'm responding Canary's to the yellow. I'm uh, <laughs> you've been listening to the yeah. Pompey Politics podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. Although none of us is sure what colour we are anymore. Maybe I've gone yellow. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sansbury. I have not. And just before we tune out, just to say next week, um, Tim, Shim and Chase, um, bless him, was very, very um, uh, obliging and allowed us to reschedule um, his session till, uh, till next week. So we'll, we'll have him on next week. Um, and we'll also be floating some ideas. We've had a suggestion from Donna in Portsmouth who um, suggested we might have some sort of quiz, some yes. uh, cross-party political quiz. So we'll be looking at how to set that up as well. So stay safe. Next week, blue, yellow and green. Stay safe, people. Uh, don't stay at home. Uh, stay alert. Uh, control the virus. Save lives. Yeah, you're just, you're, just, you're just proving that it was a difficult message. Okay. Thanks, guys. Stay safe. And credits.